Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So here's a question for everybody. What does the word enlightenment mean to you? Do you envision a yogi sitting on top of a mountaintop with a serene expression? Or maybe St. Francis feeding wild animals out of his hand? Maybe you have the image of flipping on a light switch in a dark room or dark mind. Or maybe somebody cracking a joke at just the right time to lighten the mood of a tense situation. Or maybe you go about just an average citizen, you envision just an average citizen going about their day with a calm sense of equanimity. Or maybe all of these images, or maybe none of these images. Enlightenment is a commonly used term in spiritual circles, and we often reference it in unity and new thought as well. Though we would be hard-pressed to find just one concrete definition for what this experience actually is. But I have found one. I found it in Psychology Today, of all things, by a psychologist named Robert Puff. And this is what he says. In the West, we often refer to enlightenment as self-actualization. And whatever definition we use, the ultimate understanding of enlightenment is this. It's the highest level we can reach as human beings in our lifetime. Whether it's through our own experiences of living at such a magnificent level, or somebody else's experience that we've seen or witnessed or read about, it seems to be about very gracefully riding the waves of life. Now, these experiences may seem vague or unclear to someone who hasn't experienced them firsthand. So is there maybe another definition of enlightenment that is easier to grasp and allows us to know when we've reached this highest pinnacle of existence? He goes on to say, well, maybe let's ask a question first. And that question is this. Why do we struggle? We struggle because we fight against what is. And what that means is we may not like or be comfortable with what's happening in our lives right now or in the world right now, so we fight against it. Our ego and our thinking hold expectations about the way our lives are supposed to go. And when our lives don't go the way we want or the way they should, we get upset and angry or sad, and our inner peace is disturbed. Our own expectations then create discord and harmony inside of us because life sometimes has other plans for us than the ones we have made. And as a result, those negative emotions get in the way of our ability to simply flow with life. And even when we've done everything we can to can stay in control of everything, and life says, I've got other plans in mind. We find ourselves at a very common crossroads, don't we? 
Do we stay at peace and accept what is, or do we choose to fight against it? He goes on to say, we have the opportunity to choose radical acceptance several times throughout our days. And if we choose it, that path will create enlightenment, or in the very least, enlightened moments. If we ignore that path, we run the risk of facing disappointment and disruption to our sense of peace. So based on that reading, it appears that one definition of enlightenment is radical acceptance of what is. <laughs> or as I like to simplify things, it's really an all-you-gotta-do job. As in, all-you-gotta-do is not have attachments and not get upset about stuff. It's all-you-gotta-do, the end, and you are enlightened. Well, maybe not. In fact, let's go way back to the beginning with a very brief review of the origins of the concept of enlightenment. So speaking very broadly, the term enlightenment has very deep roots in Hindu and Buddhist traditions. The root word bud, B-U-D-H, that gives rise to the English word Buddhism, means awaken, and it also connotes insight and knowledge as well as release of desires and attachments. And these are cons commonly considered attributes of enlightenment in Buddhism. And so here's a very deep, I mean, a very superficial and quick process of the Buddhist enlightenment path. So deep down in our minds, there's an underlying dissatisfaction with the way things are. And we want things to be different. In fact, there's even a craving for becoming different from what we already are. In other words, I don't like this. I don't like who I am. I want to be different. I want the world to be different. And I'm resisting the world as it is right now. See, and everyone's moving towards some goal that will be in the future. In the future, it won't be like this. The hope of arriving at that destination seems to give folks solace. So it's going to be better when we get there. But if that hope and if that dream is threatened, again, people tend to suffer. This burning uneasiness can be likened to a fire. And the extinction of this fire is what is referred to as enlightenment. So you may have heard the word nirvana, and that word means enlightenment, extinction rather. So I've extinguished all my desires, and I'm at peace. Enlightenment is also the name of the Seattle-based grunge band led by the late Kurt Cobain, just FYI, in case you were wondering. So the Hindu tradition also provides us the spiritual practices of yoga, which are designed to support this same enlightenment process by awakening in the practitioner's mind and heart insight into his or her true self. And these practices include breathing exercises and physical exercises. And it's also out of the Hindu tradition which come the chakra system. And if you were with us in 2019, you'll recall our talk series in class based on unity's power, the 12 power, teaching of the 12 powers of man, and the seven chakras from Hinduism. Oh, and just as a side note, just as Christianity arose out of Judaism, Buddhism arose out of Hinduism.
Well, although the enlightenment process per se isn't central to Christianity, Christianity does have some terms that are related uh, to this idea and this concept. So among those are illumination, which highlights when one has an experience of the divine, of just been in that divine presence. Another one is kenosis, which means self-emptying in order to become completely receptive to expressing God's will. There's a passage in Philippians chapter 2 in which it says that Jesus emptied himself, taking a form of a slave, kenosis, self-emptying. Another term that we find that's related is metanoia, which is a Greek word meaning a transformative change of mind or change of heart. And this is most commonly translated into English as the word repentance, which is found all over the Christian scriptures. Another word is revelation, which is a disclosure of divine truth or knowledge. And there's salvation, which means being saved from harm or even way, evil ways. And conversion, the idea of abandonment of one religion for another. And then an idea which is most commonly uh, focus, uh, com most commonly a focus of the Eastern traditions, theosis, the process of becoming divine, which is very closely aligned to unity's first and second principles. First principle, the nature of God is altogether good. Second principle, each one of us has that divinity within us. And so the more we awaken that divinity within us, the more divine-like we become. Perhaps we might say more enlightened. So where does all of this leave unity in, non, in new thought? Because we're not exactly Hindu or Buddhist, but in unity churches and centers, we do teach a variety of meditation practices and experiences in Eastern philosophy. And we're not exactly Jewish, although we honor the Hebrew scriptures and appreciate Jesus as the Jew that he was. And we're not traditionally Christian, though we are culturally Christian. Well, if you've been with us for a little while, you'll find that in unity and New Thought churches and centers, a beautiful hybrid of all of them, all these Eastern and Western teachings, with the addition of indigenous Islamic and other elements as well. The theological term for such an amalgam is syncretic. Another word derived from Greek. It basically means emerging or assimilating of different traditions and beliefs. And we certainly do that. Because we know that there is wisdom in all the world's great traditions. And we know that there is wisdom within each and every one of us that will allow us to awaken and realize which teaching is speaking to us. Which teaching is helping us to awaken to our true potential, to self-actualize, to be our best selves. And if there's anything we abhor more than anything else in unity, it's a box. Don't put me in a box. The mind and the heart are too expansive. So we welcome the opportunity to learn from one another and to discern life's path for ourselves. And we come together to affirm one another in that knowing. We come together to affirm one another in our inherent goodness. 
we come together to invite and engage practices as community that allow us to feel the peace that passes understanding so that we might therefore take it out and pass it around to a world that needs the peace that passes understanding. It is truly a wonderful setup we have. And in that, we add to it our foundational unity teachings and practices, all of which are designed to create a world of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation. Interestingly enough, today it was Unity of Fairfax member and new board trustee, Med Hunt, who inspired this talk entitled, Enlightenment on Our Doorstep. He flagged me down one day and he said, Reverend Russell, I've got something to show you. You've just got to see. And he pulled out two photos and laid them side by side. One of the photos, yes, is a Buddhist path to enlightenment that he took at the Tibet, Tibetan Mongolian Culture Center, Cultural Center in Bloomington in the other, Indiana. And the other is the beautiful weeping blue cedar atlas serpentine tree that's planted to the entrance of our labyrinth here at Unity of Fairfax. I seem to recall him saying or even suggesting something like, look, Reverend Russell, we've planted enlightenment on our doorstep or something like that. And yes, you were right, Med. I know you're at home watching. So as you can see from the photo from the Buddhist Cultural Center, there are many steps and stages to the path of enlightenment. And there is much symbolism in this photo. Too much to go into today. But the symbols represent the process of extinguishing desires and liberating oneself from the cycle of birth and rebirth. And in Buddhism, the elephant is a symbol of strength and honor and patience and, patience and peacefulness and wisdom. Elephants are even claimed to possess the same attributes attained by the Buddha. Now, because of its rarity, a white elephant was and still is considered of high spiritual importance. And you'll notice that from the bottom to the top of the photo, the elephant changes color as it walks as it walks in its path of enlightenment. Coincidentally, or not, because all peoples around the world are related, many indigenous peoples in North America value a white buffalo and give it the same spiritual significance. It's no surprise to me that there are correlations because we're all related. And I'd like to speak for just about one more piece of the path of enlightenment. And that's the path itself. It's not a straight line. And if you've, as you in your lives have discovered a certain sense of wisdom, you'll realize it didn't happen in a straight line. It's more like a labyrinth. Or to quote the Grateful Dead, a long, strange trip. Now, according to the Labyrinth Society, a labyrinth is a meandering path often unicursal, meaning one way in and one way out, with a singular path leading to a center. And labyrinths are an ancient archetype dating at least 4,000 years or so, used symbolically as a walking meditation, a choreographed dance, 
or the site of rituals and sacred ceremonies. And by engaging a labyrinth, and I say engage because you can walk a labyrinth, you can roll on a labyrinth, you can visualize a labyrinth, you can walk a finger labyrinth, but by engaging a labyrinth, you can promote personal, psychological, and spiritual transformation. And labyrinths evoke metaphor, sacred geometry, religious practices, such as mindfulness and community building. One can even think of walking a labyrinth as taking a pilgrimage to a sacred place in the center of one's own being or one's own world. A labyrinth can be a path of walking to salvation or enlightenment, whichever word works best for you. Because in the path of walking or rolling or engaging a labyrinth, the mind becomes still. And for a period of time, there is in, in, the, in which one engages in a labyrinth, there is no resistance to life. Just a serene and perhaps radical acceptance of life as it is, or we might say, a moment of enlightenment. So let's get back to the beginning. What does the word enlightenment mean to you? Maybe there's even a better question. Is enlightenment something towards which you will expend the effort to achieve? And if so, clearly the world's traditions offer a variety of teachings and tools to help support you in this endeavor of self-actualizing, going, being your biggest self, your best self, your Buddha nature, whatever, your Christ consciousness. And even if it seems like it will take forever to attain enlightenment or for it to come, I would say to you, eh, don't sweat it. Consider these words. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, enlightenment or heaven or whatever you want to call it is already on your doorstep, planted there from the beginning. With a little effort, it can be attained or at least experienced for just a few moments. But we have to be willing to engage in some manner of effort to experience it. And the one who I think provided us the biggest guidance for this action that we can take was Sir Paul McCartney. He said, someone's knocking at the door. Someone's ringing a bell. Do me a favor. Open the door. Let them in. Because enlightenment's on your doorstep. Just waiting for you. Peace be with you and namaste.
thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.